LinkedIn does really deliver for me. But I do think it's a combination because all the other marketing I do feeds into what I do on LinkedIn. So for me, it's all connected. So it's all got similar messaging, look and feel. If you see my stuff anywhere, you'll know it's mine. And the messaging's consistent. So all of that is consistent as well as my website. So it all builds and compounds together. That's what my approach is. It's a campaign-based approach, which is really what I'm into. So yeah, that's what I always try and do. Welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. The Audience Growth Podcast exists to help you learn how to use organic marketing, that's marketing that costs nothing or very little, to grow your business. Because far too frequently, small business owners spend lots of money on advertising without getting the results they were expecting or hoping for. And it doesn't need to be that way. So every week here on the podcast, we dive into strategies that will help you grow a business that's here for the long term sometimes on solo episodes like this one, and sometimes on longer guest episodes. On today's episode, I'm chatting to Ayo Abbas, who's a built environment marketing consultant, working on strategy and content for architects, engineers, and contractors. Ayo and I first met inside a membership, which is why you should always be a joiner. And since then, we've met up at awards ceremonies, And she's booked a ticket to come up from London to join us in Edinburgh for Adventures in Marketing in February 2024. Ayo has a wicked sense of humour, so I'm so excited to see her again. Adventures in Marketing, if you haven't heard of it, is an in-person event that I co-hosted with Abby C for the very first time in Edinburgh in February 2023. It went so well that we've decided to do it all over again in February 24. And I promise I'm not hyping it up when I say it will sell out. We're sticking to the same brilliant venue, which has fabulous facilities, but limited capacity. We want Adventures in Marketing to be something that people really, really want to come to, rather than aiming to sell tickets to anyone and everyone. We've already sold 30 tickets and only have 100 left, which might sound like a lot, but bear in mind This event is 12 months away and we were at capacity this year. Once we hit 130 tickets, we genuinely cannot sell any more. So if you think you'd like to come, now's the time to book. We're on tier two pricing, which means you're getting an absolute bargain. You can confirm your space at adventuresinmarketing.uk and then you don't even need to think about it again until the end of the year when it's time to book your travel and hotel room. And by the way, this year, people came up from London for £29 return and nabbed a hotel room in the event venue for £57. So this is a highly affordable event, despite being in Scotland, if that is far away from you. But enough about that. Now it's time to introduce my guest on today's podcast, Ayo Abbas. Welcome to the show, Ayo. Hi, Nikki. How are you doing? I'm good. All better for seeing you. It's lovely <laughs> to see you. How are you doing? I'm really good. It's been a busy day, but all good. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Is there any other type of day when you work in marketing or are a small business owner? Not sure. <laughs> no, you just wear so many hats. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You're always like, am I doing this now? I've got to finish writing this. I've got to have that meeting. Look like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's everybody in life, right? <laughs> You're like, okay, I could do this. It's all good. But yes. So before we really get into it, for anyone who maybe hasn't come across you before or might be wondering why you are a marketing specialist for your very specific niche, (laughs) can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you love to do? Okay, so I am a marketing consultant and I specialise 
in the built environment. So basically the built environment is, I guess, the world that you see around us. So the roads, the rail, the buildings, all of that stuff, the infrastructure, all the people that kind of do that stuff. So I work mainly for architects and engineers, and I help them sell to corporates and governments and local authorities and all of that. So get their marketing in front of those types of people, business to business. Brilliant. I know that we're really going to focus in on that today, but I'm dying to know, first of all, what on earth took you into that world in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, do you know what? I did a business degree at university in Hertfordshire with a marketing specialism. And then my first job was working in construction PR. So I actually worked in a PR agency, which is why I can write. And we promoted lighting products, flooring products, like carpet tiles, lighting, all of that stuff to architects and engineers. So it was all corporate side. So it was all of that kind of things. And that's kind of how I fell into it. Then after that, I kind of ended up working in-house for engineering firms for about 15, 16 years, really. Got you. On top of that, after that. So that's how I ended up in that weird world. (laughs) Well, it is great to have a niche because you're so well known for that now, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's funny because people are like, is there really a market for that? Quite often they come up to me and say that. And I'm like, oh, yes, you know, and there are. There's hundreds of architects, hundreds of engineers. You know, some of the large clients I work for, you know, they've got 100,000 employees around the world. So these aren't small companies that, you know, some of these firms are, you know, delivering airports, delivering major infrastructure, delivering the Olympics or the Shard. So, you know, I've worked for some of kind of the, the main companies doing projects like that. Very cool. And how do you prefer to work with your clients? Do you go in-house with long-standing clients or is it more short-term contracts with multiple clients? How does it work? It's not really set because I work with quite a few, I guess I have some smaller clients, but I also work with quite a few large clients. So I'm kind of quite flexible in terms of the structure. So sometimes if it's a larger firm, it might be I work in-house for X amount of days or nowadays it tends to be I'm working for myself, but actually delivering projects for, you know, over a six-month period and things like that. So that's kind of how it's working. And then for smaller clients, it's literally I'll be delivering projects or working for a set number of days for them and advising and consulting with them. Great. And what do you love about working with this B2B where you're having to sell to corporates? What do you love about that audience? Do you know what I love? is I guess it's a challenge. And I always think it's quite interesting because it's like you really kind of have to get to the heart of, I guess, what it is they really need from you and what they really need from that client of yours and dig deep. And that's research, that's understanding, it's looking what's going on in the market. And also, I think the thing is, it's a longer term play, which is really what I do like. So in terms of targeting and things, it's like, you know, the lead time on some of these projects could be six months to a year or even longer. You know, I mean, I remember working at when I was working in house that, you know, we set a plan, which was around, you know, which HS2 projects we wanted to win. And we'd set that plan a good five years before we even won one of those projects, but because they're such enormous projects, but it was like all our marketing activity over that next five years would be framed by that. So it was that kind of long range thing, which is a different type of challenge, I think, which is what I enjoy. It definitely is. And actually that feels like quite a luxury. That must feel really nice. Yes and no, because it can feel quite far. So you know what I mean? Because it, like five years is a long time, right? And But I think it does give you a framework from which to say no, which I think is the main thing about a plan. So my kind of smaller one-year plans or three-month plans were very much tactical and they'd always be building towards that. But it's kind of, yeah, you know what you're going for. And I guess if you don't get it, it's a much bigger loss, isn't it? (laughs) 
Yes. So you've got to make sure you do. No pressure. But no, that's the kind of stuff. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Because it's kind of like you, you have a long range pipeline of what you're after or where you want to be or the types of projects you want to do. And I think that's quite exciting. And I always say I can't imagine like promoting stuff like shampoo and stuff. I'd be like, oh, what's the point? You know, give me a carpet tile any day. <laughs> <laughs> it so is. <laughs> It takes all sorts, I.O. <laughs> so when you first set up on your own and you wanted to work with corporates, yeah. how did you get your name out there to begin with? Well, actually, I set up in February 2020. So literally the month before. Did lock, you? Yes. So <sighs> nobody in March was obviously taking on consultants. So really, a lot of what I did was I went onto LinkedIn and I just started raising my visibility. I did lots of learning. That's how I kind of met you in networking groups and communities. I got out there. And that's really what I did for that first year was more around that because really no one was taking people on. So what I was doing was actually raising my own visibility about being a marketer in the built environment and just connecting. That's really all you could do in that space. And I guess I was quite lucky is that my initial contracts and things started coming through from people who knew me. And they're like, oh, so you're working for yourself now. But that was, you know, a good six months in because obviously what happened with lockdown one. So that's kind of how I started off was really via LinkedIn and reaching out to people I know and doing that. I think that's the easiest way. But obviously, you know, lockdown one was an unknown for everybody and it was uncertain and scary. Oh, it's not fun to look back at that time, to be honest. No, no. <laughs> and we all, we were literally just running on air, really, weren't we? And that's yeah. the thing of just, right, what do I need to do next? Ah, okay. So, yeah, so really, I just went online because that's all I could do. And nowadays, how do you bring work into your business? So it's similar. So I have like my podcast, which is about raising my visibility, similar to you. I also have communities that I network with. I do presentations. I use LinkedIn a lot, so I generally post most days on there. So it's a whole wealth of things, really, in terms of how I bring work in. But it's all, about, I guess, very much about raising my visibility in the right places and making sure that people know what I do and what I can add value in. And quite often I get referrals from that. And would you say that it's really that combination of all the marketing that you're doing for yourself that's working? Or would you say there are any specific channels or platforms that are really delivering for you right now? LinkedIn does really deliver for me, but I do think it's a combination because all the other marketing I do feeds into what I do on LinkedIn. So for me, it's all connected. So it's all got similar messaging, look and feel. If you see my stuff anywhere, you'll know it's mine and the messaging's consistent. So all of that is consistent as well as my website. So it all builds and compounds together. That's what my approach is. It's a campaign-based approach, which is really what I'm into. So yeah, that's what I always try and do. Absolutely. Well, we've got to walk the walk, haven't we? If we're telling other people to do it, we've got to do it ourselves. <laughs> I know. You know, when you're there going, oh, I don't want to do this. It's like, come on. <laughs> no option. I know. But sometimes, you know, when you turn around to clients, you go, oh, I did that the other day. It's quite hard, isn't it? <laughs> but you have to be able to say that, though. I, I agree. If I, like, I don't like giving people stuff that I wouldn't do myself because I don't think that's on. So, yeah. Yeah. You have to walk the walk. Absolutely. Okay, so if there are people listening and thinking that they would quite like to generate some corporate clients, what would you say are some of the things they need to understand or maybe some of the terminology they need to know? I think the key thing to understand is that for me, it's really about knowing who your audience is, isn't it? And at the moment, I kind of think it's about your messaging, your targeting and your positioning, like where you want to be in the market. And for me, that's the kind of key aspects of any marketing. And the more I'm doing as a consultant, the more I'm like, actually, it really it does boil down to this. And I think 
like knowing which part of the B2B market, because it's massive. I did some research before I came on the call and, you know, they're saying the value of B2B in the UK alone is 1.7 trillion pounds. Wow. That's massive. And you start thinking of that and you're like, there's so many B2B opportunities. You know, it's basically on par with B2C, you know, selling to consumers. But I just think a lot of businesses don't consider it. So for me, I think it's knowing the types of organizations you want to work for Mm -hmm. and then digging into, I always say, look into the job titles. Like who are those types of people who are going to be your decision makers? Who are the influencers? And starting to map that out. Because once you start to understand that, then you can really build out actually what do they need from me? What's their issues? I like that you've mentioned identifying those decision makers because that's absolutely key, isn't it? You could waste a lot of time chasing the wrong person. Yeah. And follow the money. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's, That's it, isn't it? That is a life lesson right there or a business lesson at least follow the money. <laughs> it is. I say this to clients all the time. Who's funding this? Like, you know, if you're looking for charity clients or something, you know, where does their money come from? Once you unlock that, then you understand, like, you know, if it's a commercial developer, where, who's funding their projects, right? What are those people saying? Because actually you start helping them to look good to their funders, then you're helping them to achieve what they need. And I think those are the kind of things that you need to do. So it's just being, I guess, strategic about it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you've got some top tips that you're going to share today for people who want to start selling to corporates. So what would your first tip be? I think my first tip is about figure out the area of B2B that you want to work in. So is it local? Is it national? Is it regional? You know, is it public sector? Is it private sector? So really kind of dig down to who it is you want to work for. There's so many different ways you can cut it. The I think it's just understanding which part of that 1.7 trillion pounds pie that you actually want. And I think that's the most important thing to figure out. And I guess my next tip would be about, like we just said before, about identifying the main decision makers. So who are those organizations, who they are, what their stay awake issues are, what really is going to be the thing that you can kind of help them overcome and achieve. I think that's really, really important as well. And then figure out why they would want to buy from you. So I I think that's that whole thing about what's your USP? What makes you special? What makes you stand out from that crowd? And really, I guess how what you do can help them. That's what it's all about, isn't it? What do I do and what do I offer that can help them to get to where they need to be? And then I guess it's about developing your overall pitch. So the materials, the marketing collateral, the support, the messaging that you need to kind of really hit them hard. And then after that, I think it's really about starting to reach out. So I think that's the kind of crux of it. And I think that's applicable to all types of markets. But yeah, for B2B, that's how I would tackle it. Yeah, it's pretty foundational, isn't it? That piece about really understanding why they would want to work for you and crucially, what it is that you can do to help them. So like you said, in a B2B environment, that is possibly helping them look good to somebody else. Yeah, it could be their customers. It could be the government. It could be, you know, it's so many different nuances, depending on the type of organization you're tackling. So I think that's it. And, you know, I think that's how you can really kind of get under the skin of a corporate. It's actually what's their key drivers here? What's going on with them? And also just remembering somebody said to me once, no idea who or when or what the scenario was, but we were having a conversation about selling to corporates and they said it's important to remember that corporates are staffed by humans. <laughs> you know? They are. Stop being so boring. Yeah. Stop talking in gobbledygook. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is. Quite often, it's like a lot of my job is actually simplifying what technical people do. A lot of it is because I literally am there and I'll sit in meetings and I'll be like, 
I've read all your presentations. I've worked in this industry for 20 years and I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And I have to be quite honest because, and it's when you know that they do amazing stuff, but they're not communicating it very well. And I think that's a lot of what it is, is actually focusing on the outcome that helps that person, but also how do you make it so it's understandable to them? And I think sometimes people just go so technical and so dense. You're just like, it doesn't work. Yeah. I think that's something that works in the favour of us as small business owners. If we want to go in and work with corporates, then we are going to possibly be more entrepreneurial in our approach. We're going to be more straight talking. We haven't got time to waste in millions of meetings about meetings. And so often we can feel like a bit of a breath of fresh air, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And and actually ask those questions that someone in-house might not have the confidence or even just They might not even see it anymore because sometimes you don't see the wood for the trees. What about in terms of any helpful tools? If people are thinking, I'm going to go away and do my research, I want to get into corporates, are there any tools that they can use to help them get there? LinkedIn search bar, I think, is a great place to start. So you can search types of companies where they're based, you can search by region, you can search by people, you can search for job titles. So there's a lot you can do on LinkedIn. That's definitely a good starting point. And actually, if you want to do the paid for version, you can get even more info. There's that. Also, I think company websites themselves, and if they're listed as well, I'd say their annual reports, they tell you a goldmine of information in terms of where they're going, their priorities, what they're doing. And I think that's a great place to look as well. And I think if you're looking at governments, for example, the official notices and contracts over a certain size, they have to publish them publicly and things like that. So I think you can kind of dig into that as well. Local authority websites as well, if you want to work locally, they also have to list their tenders and what they're putting out and what they're procuring. So that's another way to kind of track the areas that are of interest to you and, you know, start to build out a picture of when those contracts are coming up and things like that. So you can look back as well at who's won them previously and you can get a lot of information there. Just to pick you up on that point, what about tendering? Because I know that that's something I felt quite intimidated by for a very long time. What would you say to anybody who's listening to this who thinks I'd like to get a piece of that pie, but I wouldn't know where to start? I think don't be scared by it. I think there's quite a few kind of online kind of short courses and things. And people like the the British Library, for example, they do a lot of business support that's free and they can kind of give you the pointers of the types of one page policies and the kind of things that you may need to have in place. But I would say don't be intimidated by it because actually things like local authorities or schools, they have quotas. They're meant to be working with small businesses. So why won't that be you? So I think, you know, don't write yourself off. And there's ways that you can kind of learn and understand. And even some of the kind of local authorities, they point you towards materials where you can learn how to pitch properly and stuff like that, or the Chamber of Commerce as well. So I would say, don't be scared. If that's something you want to do, you can definitely get there. You might have to work towards it. But once you start winning them and start understanding how they work, it will become a lot easier. Yeah, I think the first tender that I was involved in, I just felt like I didn't have a clue what to write. The first step was to unpick all of that gobbledygook and actually work out what they were asking for. (laughs) But once you get into it, you realise like, just look at the marking criteria, pick out the key points, try and get rid of the waffle, you know, like, and then you have to break it down. And I think once you get used to reading some of this stuff, then it gets simpler. And then it's like that. And then you just write it. You just write what you believe to be the best approach and why you're the best company to deliver it or whatever. And then before you know it, it's done. 
you know, evidence of where you've done it before. I've done it on this project and that project. This is the result. So I think as well, collecting that kind of evidence and the kind of case studies that support your points. I always think of it's like points mean prizes when it comes to tenders. I love that. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? That's so true. <laughs> I used to do a lot of tendering for large projects. That's why earlier in my career. So I had to do that a lot in-house. And so, but that was just something you just got used to. And it is literally as points being prizes and all that kind of stuff. But I'd say for small companies, don't write yourself off. Absolutely. So obviously LinkedIn is key for you and for anyone looking to interact with corporates, but you're also present and active on Instagram, aren't you? I am. Instagram, I don't necessarily do it for business. I do Instagram mainly for community. So to connect with people like you and other freelancers and female founders, that's probably more what I use Instagram for. And also for inspiration. So I sort of see what other people are doing and I can take that back to things that I do on LinkedIn with B2B because I always feel like, you know, LinkedIn is, I guess, a bit more behind in terms of, you know, like models of working and how people work. So I actually use Instagram for inspiration more than anything. So what else are you doing, Io? I know that you're super busy with client work. You're busy researching and being active on LinkedIn and you're building up your community on Instagram. What else does your day-to-day workflow look like? So I have my own podcast, which is called The Built Environment Marketing Show. So that's a great way of, I guess, keeping up to date with what's going on in the sector, but also making connections and relationships. I also do things like I'm a judge next week at the Reba Awards, which is the main architecture awards. So I've got three days where I'll be out looking at buildings with other judges who are also architects. So those are kind of good profile raising things. So I guess it's being an active member in a number of communities, I think is quite a key thing, be it the architecture community, be it the freelancer community, be it the marketing community. So uh, yeah, I'm an active participant where I can. And I definitely think that's it. And also I'm doing much more kind of face-to-face networking this year as well to get out and see people because we've missed that. I've missed that. Oh, yeah, I think we all have. Is that mainly industry events that you're going to or what kinds of things? It's a mix. So some are, like this evening, I'm going to a talk about the new treehouse competition at Kew Gardens. So there's an architectural talk about that and how that came about and all of that. So I'll, you know, once this is finished, that's where I'll be going. So I go to things like that, but I'll also go to marketing meetups and, you know, so a range of things to kind of see and some property industry things as well. So always try to kind of go out and see more people and connect. And actually what's interesting now is when I do go out, I get a lot of people who go, oh, I follow you or I'm already connected with you on LinkedIn. So it's actually a good kind of conversation starter. When I have people in my car, they're like, that's you. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, so that's actually really lovely. So that happens more and more. So it kind of shows that LinkedIn is working. Oh, brilliant. And just that overall strategy of being a joiner getting yourself out there, getting your face out there. (laughs) I'm there, I'm laughing. Yeah, no, I always am, but it's always good. (laughs) That is true, actually. You've got a brilliant laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I did a post about that one. You know, like, it's literally like... (laughs) God. So I can't promise we've got any built environment experts or companies listening to this podcast, but I can promise that we have a brilliant community of freelancers. So where can our listeners find you online? So obviously you can find me on LinkedIn and on Instagram. And my handle is at Io Abbas, which is A-Y-O-A-B-B-A-S. And also you can find me at my website, which is www.abbasmarketing.com. Fabulous. Well, good luck with the judging and I can't wait to see you in person, hopefully this year, but if not, definitely next year. You will do. Take care, Nikki. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Io. Take care. Bye.
corporates is something you want to do more of this year, then make sure you listen back to this episode with Ayo anytime you need a reminder of the steps to follow. I'll be back again next week with a shorter solo episode of the podcast. I'll be over in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World, but that episode will be published as usual on Friday at 7am. So if you're going to Social Media Marketing World too, then let me know. Let's meet up. And whether you're over there or you're here, I hope you'll join me for next week's podcast. Have a great week and don't forget to keep up the good marketing work. Take care.